Welcome to this service for the first Sunday of Lent 2021. It's my joy to be able to welcome you to our online worship today for those who are unable at the moment to join us in our services in church. We had Ash Wednesday on Wednesday and we began a series on Philippians. During the course of Lent, we're asking all of our folks here in our own benefits to read through the whole of the letter to the Philippians. We're going to break it down and do little bits in our online services midweek, morning prayer and complaint, and perhaps more substantial chunks for our sermons and our teaching on the Sundays. Today, we're looking at the chapter 1, verses uh, 18 to 26 and that includes that wonderful verse verse 21 where Paul says for me to live is Christ to die is gain I want to begin our worship this morning in a slightly different way I'm going to read what has become known as the Lenten Psalm Psalm 51 and our confession following that is going to uh, reflect these time on of these lovely words of Psalm 51. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness. In your great compassion, blot out my offences. Wash me through and through from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Purge me from my sin and I shall be pure. Wash me and I shall be clean indeed. Make me hear of joy and gladness that the body that you have broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence, and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Give me the joy of your saving help, and sustain me with your bountiful spirit. Open my lips, O Lord, and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. If you had desired it, I would have offered sacrifices, but you take no delight in burnt offerings. The sacrifice of God is a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O Lord, you will not despise. And so we come to our penitence in the light of those words, the recognition of David that he was a fallible human being, filled with mess and brokenness and sinfulness in his own life. Wash me thoroughly from my wickedness and cleanse me from my sin. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Christ, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. May the Father of all mercies 
cleanse you from your sins and restore you in his image to the praise and glory of his name through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well we're going to have our Bible reading now and uh, I've been doing a lot of talking reading all that psalm out so I thought we'd have a, a guest reader this morning and who better to read our Philippians passage than no less than David Suchet. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. I wonder if you like Shakespeare plays. I've got to be honest, before, uh, probably about five or six years ago, I had never read a Shakespeare play, been to see one, even seen a film based on a Shakespeare play, at least not closely. Uh, and it was actually my wife, Sandy, that got me into the idea of going to the theatre to see a Shakespeare play. And I've got to be honest, the first time I uh, went, I was dreading it really. And I found myself surprisingly enjoying it. And since then, we've, uh, I'm no expert, I'm no expert, but um, we've seen a few, seen about probably half a dozen plays uh, in various places, uh, obviously before the pandemic and yeah pretty well always really really enjoyed the experience of a Shakespeare play. One play that I've never seen yet is perhaps the most well-known Hamlet and I want to share a little bit of a very very well-known passage from Hamlet. To be or not to be that is the question well, it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles and by opposing end them, to die, to sleep no more, and by sleep to say we end the heartache and the thousand natural shocks that flesh is heir to. It is a consummation devoutly to be wished to die, to sleep, to sleep perchance to dream. Aye, there's the rub. You see, what we've got here, it seems to me, is someone wrestling with big questions, eternal questions. Do I want to keep on living? Or would death be a release 
to live or to die. And for Hamlet, we find repulsion rather than attraction. He's repulsed by life, he's repulsed by death. Both of them repugnant to him. What makes life repulsive to Hamlet? The slings and arrows of outrageous fortune. I guess for many of us deep down, we know what he's talking about. What's around the next corner? What's gonna go wrong for me next? How much more of this can I handle? The inevitable ups and downs of life with all the pain and disappointment and suffering. That's what repels Hamlet. What repels him from death? Well, he says to die to sleep, that sounds good. But then perchance to dream, oh, that there might be something after death. Yea, there's the rub. There might be judgment. There might be condemnation. There might be hell. And that's a problem. He's repulsed by that idea as well. He's repulsed from death. He's repulsed from life. That leaves him morose and depressed, discouraged, even suicidal. Repulsed by life with all its suffering. Repulsed by death with its potential for eternal condemnation. Now it's interesting that when we come to Philippians chapter 1 and the verses that we heard read a few moments ago and it's been quite an interesting thing hasn't it we've had John Suchet doing the reading and David Tennant doing the uh, doing the clip um, I suppose by comparison I'm uh, somewhat you know small fry anyway there we go but when we think about Philippians chapter 1 we find Paul wrestling with that same question but his difference is in his attitude he is not repulsed by life he's not repulsed by death he's attracted greatly attracted excited thrilled by life and even more so by death for me to live is Christ to die is even better He's attracted by an ongoing life of service to Jesus and what that will bring. And he's even more attracted to what awaits him in his future when he dies from this mortal life and begins his eternal life with Jesus and all the blessings that will be there within that. To live is Christ, to die is gain. On the life side, if I am to go on living in my body on the death side, I desire to depart and be with Christ. And then back to the life side. It's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. So we see the tension. He's been pulled this way and that way. But this is far from Hamlet's morbid in introspection. If you were with Paul in his prison cell, you wouldn't be discouraged. Or depressed you'd be greatly lifted up greatly encouraged to be with Paul as he wrestles this through and that's why he's doing it for these Philippians that's why he writes it down for them and for us he wants them to catch this attitude he wants us to do the same that we might come to the point where we can say that same thing for me to live is Christ to die is gain. 
But what did Paul mean by to live is Christ, to die is gain? Well, let's break it down into those two parts. Number one, to live is Christ. What did Paul mean by that? Clearly, on one level, he is talking about our physical bodies here on earth. We cannot take a single breath, the Bible tells us, without God. Writing to the Colossians, Paul says this specifically about Jesus. By him, all things were created, things in heaven, things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things, all things were created by him and before him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. We wouldn't have a physical life if it wasn't for Jesus. And 1 Corinthians, again, another one of Paul's letters, chapter 6, reminds us, you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore glorify God with your bodies. So when Paul says for me to live is Christ, he is talking about the physical body. But even more so, he's talking about the spiritual life. Living spiritually. Christ is our spiritual life. Another one of Paul's letters to the Ephesians tells us that God chose us in Christ when? Not yesterday, not when we became a Christian, not even when we were born. We are told in Ephesians that Christ chose us before the foundation of the world and that in God Christ will give us every spiritual blessing. Therefore, in Christ, we may approach God with freedom and confidence. In him we call our Heavenly Father, Abba. Abba Father. In Christ, all of our sins, all of them, are forgiven. We are new creations. We are dead to sin and alive to God. So when Paul says, for me to live is Christ, he is also saying, I see myself spiritually in Christ and in no other place. He is willing to forego the heavenly enjoyment, the heavenly excitement for a time, knowing that he will go through suffering. And as I was saying the other night in Compline, this letter was written while Paul was in prison. So he knew what sufferings was. He was chained up in prison. He'd endured beating, scourging, rejection, all of that. And so quite naturally he says, I am torn. I desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better by far. But it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. How selfless is that? A pattern for us to follow. What does it mean to stay with the church, with the Philippians, with the Ephesians, with the Thessalonians, the Corinthians, and all those churches that Paul ministered to? For Paul, this means fruitful labor. Fruitful labor. People saved, lives being transformed. A life given totally in devotion, self-giving, self denying that he may know Christ and the power 
of his resurrection. So that's what Paul really means by to live is Christ. Do we live for Christ? And then much more briefly really, because it's actually much more straightforward, to die is gain. What does he mean by to die is gain? I think he means simply this. Everything that I've just said over the last few minutes that he's got on earth, but more of it, more of it, more of God, more of Jesus. Now we see in a mirror. Now we see dimly, then we shall see face to face. So for, unlike Hamlet, for St. Paul, the whole idea of departing this world was not fearful for judgment, but rejoicing in salvation, rejoicing in the promise of heaven. It's manifestly not about escaping this world. It is about coming into the very fulfillment of what we now see in part. So what's the application for us here today, 2021 in Gildersum and Driglington? Well, I guess the question is very simple, isn't it? What about us? What about us? What about each one of us? Paul says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Can we say that? Can we say that? I mean it. Do we think of our lives as totally given over to Jesus so that we are his and we live totally to serve him in all that we do? Is death something that we actually look forward to or do we dread? Do we look forward to it because it means that we can have more of what we now have. Do we think of life and death that way? For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God, may I be like you. Change my heart, O oh God, make it ever true. Change my heart, O oh God, may I be
and so we come to our prayers and the response that we're going to be using today is a little bit different to the normal one to my bidding Lord we trust in you the response is deliver us from evil most holy God you were tempted just as we are be our strength in times of weakness when we fall lift us up when we are in error direct us in our wanderings be our guide may we use this Lent as a time of dedication and renewal Lord we trust in you deliver us from evil we pray for your church in this benefice of Driglinton and Gildersum more widely in the Diocese of Leeds in our nation and throughout the world may your church stand against evil and seek good we remember before you all those who've lost their way who've lost faith people who no longer trust in you no longer pray and find it difficult to even believe Lord we trust in you deliver us from evil we pray for those who've become possessed by greed selfishness and self-centeredness for all who've become insensitive to others we also pray for those who've been exploited those driven off their land or out of their homes those caught up in violence and war and poverty those who feel inadequate or unable to cope Lord we trust in you deliver us from all evil we give thanks for all who have set for us an example of godly living for people of discipline and dedication whom we seek to model our own lives and our own spiritual journeys upon we pray for those amongst whom we work for our families our friends and neighbors Lord we trust in you deliver us from all evil we give thanks for those who bring people together those who reconcile different points of view those who bring together broken relationships and those who bring healing to our body and our soul and for those whose relationships are broken for those full of animosity and hatred that we may all learn to forgive and be forgiven Lord we trust in you deliver us from all evil we give you thanks and praise for all who have triumphed over evil and temptation and who now serve you in the peace of your kingdom Lord we trust in you deliver us from all evil we join our prayers together by with the prayer that Jesus taught us the Lord's Prayer our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil the kingdom the power and the glory are yours 
now and forever. Amen. The Collect for the First Sunday of Lent Almighty God, whose Son, Jesus Christ, fasted forty days in the wilderness and was tempted as we are yet without sin, give us grace to discipline ourselves in obedience to your Spirit. And as you know our weakness, so may we know your power to save. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. Amen. Our closing hymn today is uh, a more traditional Lent hymn, lovely hymn this, Father hear the prayer we offer. Mm -hmm. 